Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. And uh, the question that I want you to ask yourself this morning, especially if you're married and have a family, even if you're single and still living at home, is my family fragmented? Now I've been on this theme and uh, been on the home and as I go through my notes uh, of the messages that I have preached and taught these last 11 going into 12 years now, um, well, 12 years starting December, I've preached probably more on the family than any other subject. Uh, the, it's been the family, it's been church, proper order in the church, and how to worship. And I see that these are areas that the devil has really attacked extensively. And one of the things that you must learn is that the battle chooses what part of the front line that you need to man. And uh, right now, he is attacking the family, the whole country, the whole world is against what we call the nuclear family. And uh, uh, that is the battleground that the devil has chosen and it's one thing to sit over in the corner and say, boy, I'm a great Christian. Look at my armor. I got the whole armor of God on. And boy, I got the right sword. And my sword's sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, I got the 1611. And boy, I'm just a doing it. Yeah, but you're on the wrong place on the battlefield. You're doing no good. You got to be where the enemy is and fight uh, there where the ground he has chosen. And it has been the family. So... Genesis 27, because I believe this will give us a really good look at a fragmented family. Now, in case you think that I'm going to pick on uh, people that uh, are, uh, you know, not part of what we call a second or third generation Christian background, I'm not. This is this family here that we're getting ready to talk about had the potential to be a very strong, godly family. Uh, by the way, uh, it was uh, Isaac, if I get here. Isaac, uh, he was a submissive son. Uh, he willingly got on the altar. He was an obedient son. And Isaac married who his father chose for him. And he believed in God. He was a saved man. Rebecca, uh, to give you a little bit on her, she was a very kind and thoughtful young lady. She was caring, she was submissive, she was obedient. She was willing to follow a servant to a far country to marry a man whom she had never met. She had some faith. So I don't want you to think that I'm going to pick on people whose lives have not been picture perfect this should have been a picture-perfect family. They had everything going for them. And they would what be, we would call good Christian, solid. And you could be a solid Christian and have everything going for you and have a fragmented family. So let's read some scripture here and let's see how this story unfolds and then we'll get into the message. Verse 1, he says, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. He said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. 
and make me savory meats. Now, for us down here, in case you're wondering what that was, that's smoked barbecued meat. That's what that is. <laughs> savory meat. <laughs> you say, no, it ain't. It's spicy meat. Well, you preach it your way when you preach it, and I'll preach it my way, and I'm preaching it. I'm telling you, I like Isaac. <laughs> I'm a lot like Isaac. I, I like Isaac. Savory meat is I love. I love a good barbecue. Smoked meat, not too overpowering. Smoke it with a light smoke, and oh, I'm hungry already. He says now, he says, make me savory meat, such as I love. Now get that, that phrase, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat. Yeah, amen. <laughs> and that my soul may bless thee before I die. One of the problems with Isaac is he wanted to eat before he did any work for the Lord. I'm kind of like that myself, you know. <laughs> I've often wondered, I don't know about you, I, I have wondered from childhood uh, when we have a, a, a dinner on the grounds, why don't we eat first and then preach? <laughs> I'm one of those kind of people I've always thought like that. Uh, and now, now, trust me, now that I'm a little older, I understand why. Nobody'd stick around for the preaching. If after you've been fed, you're done, you're gone. Uh, we used to do rescue missions. And uh, uh, you always, uh, if you could stay through the preaching, then you got a free meal. Why don't they do that the other way? Well, I found out. They did it the other way one time. Nobody stuck around for the preaching and so uh, if you can make it through the preaching then you can have the meal but Isaac was the opposite I, I, I like Isaac so let's eat first then we'll pray you know then we'll then we'll bless we'll bless and do the work of God and verse 5 and Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it and Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son saying behold I heard thy father Speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father." Such as he loveth, we see that phrase again, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, preadventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. She put the skins of the kids of the goat upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck, and she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit in eat of my venison, that my soul may bless me. 
And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee. Underline that word. We'll talk about that. Whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Now, Lord, help us to get an accurate picture from the Word of God of what a fragmented family is. And then help us in the weeks to come to help uh, us learn how to put them back together. We understand that the devil is against the family, that you are for the family. You started it, you instituted it, and you want to bless it. Lord, help us in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The Bible says this over there in Matthew. It says, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If your house is fragmented this morning, it's only a matter of time before it will come to desolation. So I ask you this morning, how is your house? Is your home just a pit stop? Is it just a place to rest and refuel? Are you pulled in different directions? Career pursuits, hobbies, advanced education. How about your teens and preteens? Are you pulled to your rooms? Your friends, your sports team, your schoolwork, your video games, your music. Teens, I'm addressing the teens and young people. Do you spend most of your time at home locked in your room? Do you block out the world with your computer and your video games and online friends? Parents? Are you overcommitted to every good thing in life, but undercommitted to your children? Parent, are you parenting on autopilot? Where you just put it up in autopilot and said, I'll figure it out. My experience has taught me is they more than likely won't figure it out. But the devil will figure it out for them and it won't be the right way. Let me ask it like this. And I'm going to ask a series of questions because before you can get the diagnosis, you need to have labs run. I'm running labs. And I'm, I'm, I'm checking, I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm reading, I'm discerning. Of course, I know y'all, so it makes it easy. And I know what's going on in there and in the homes pretty much. Families, have you in the last few weeks spent any quantity time together? I didn't say quality time. I'm not having a speech problem. Yeah, yeah. So those of you that have been shut in have spent a lot of quantity time. <clears throat> quantity time. Quantity time is more important than quality time. 
especially with your children. Have you spent any time in the last few weeks in family conversation? How about Bible question and answer time? How about family altar time? How about an evening meal together around the table? How about one-on-one time with each child in your home to see how they're doing? If you have more than one child, you're going to learn real quick that children, each and every one, are different. They have different needs emotionally. They have different desires. And it's your job to have that one-on-one conversation with them to see how they're doing. Everyone in a family develops different life interests. This is normal, but it has gotten extreme, where now home is nothing more than a union terminal. I don't know if you know what that is. I worked years ago in uh, Cincinnati on a place called the Union Terminal. It's a big train station. It's now the Museum of Natural History. And it's just a big hub where everybody met. Some of the men that worked there at Union Terminal had been there some years earlier to be shipped out through World War II. Right out of that very train station. Let me give you a portrait of a typical family today. See if you don't line up with this. The typical fragmented family today. Dad works about 12 hours a day plus drive time. Mom works 12 hours a day, too, plus drive time. And this is to provide a certain lifestyle. Kids go to school, and they come home to an empty house, taking care of themselves until evening. Everyone does their own thing for supper. By this time, Mom and Dad are so exhausted that all they can do is collapse in front of a TV. The kids hang out in their rooms with their doors closed, Headphones on, video games on, until bedtime. And somewhere between the kitchen and the bathroom, the kids and the parents meet for a quick good night, all to do it again the next day. Sound pretty typical, don't it? I want to, this morning, to look at this family here This family had a lot on the ball, as I told you earlier about Isaac. Uh, Isaac was a submissive son. He was a good son. He obeyed his father, Abraham. He He willingly got on an altar. I mean, Isaac was over 20 years old when his father got ready to offer him up on that altar. He could have easily overpowered his father. Uh, but he willingly got on there and said, if this is what God wants and this is what God told you to do, let's do it. And so he was obedient. He married the woman that his father chose for him. I, I got news for you. Uh-uh. Not me. No way. Absolutely not. <laughs> I was one of those kind of kids, you know. I was sharing with the teens uh, about Jacob and Esau. And, and Jacob, we're going to find out this morning, Jacob was a liar, a cheat, and a deceiver. But yet God says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. 
Esau loved to hunt and fish, and he was an outdoors type person. He was big and tough and rough and construction worker. I added that part, but it sounded good. I like Esau, and I was sitting here last night, and I was praying, I was asking the Lord, Lord, I, I like Esau. I've been studying Esau and Jacob, and, and I, I got more in common with Esau. I like him, but you said you hated him. Why? And the Lord hit me with this. So I'll tell you why. You're right. Jacob was a cheat, a liar, and a thief. He's a deceiver, a planner. You're right. Esau was an outdoorsman. He liked to hunt and fish. But Esau was profane. Jacob wasn't. I'm like, profane? What do you mean he just cussed a little bit? You know, construction, uh, construction worker lingo? You know, I get that. Sometimes I get that syndrome sometimes on a Monday. You know. Sometimes it starts a little early. You know, eh, you know. get that carnal side, Esau in me. The Lord said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. The word profane, I had to look it up, means he was godless. He was disrespectful. He was worldly. He didn't care about the things of God. He was disrespectful to the house of God. And then the Lord brought to my memory, he said, remember Jacob when he got to running from Esau? You know, the one you like? <laughs> the one Isaac liked, and you like Isaac? Yeah. He said, when Jacob got to Bethel, remember he had a dream that night? I said, yeah. He said, what happened? I said, well, a portal opened and there was a ladder. We call it Jacob's ladder. And he seen angels descending and ascending. And he said, what did he do that morning when he got up? That cheater, that liar, that, that supplanter. I said, he made an altar and poured oil out and worshipped you. And said, surely God is in this place. And God said, bingo. He wasn't profane. Wow, Lord. <laughs> I guess I need to like Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Esau didn't care about the house of God. Esau didn't respect Bethel. Esau didn't respect God's way. Esau was carnal and earthy and worldly. And yes, you might like some of the things he likes, but I hate him. Okay. But here, Jacob and Isaac, and I like Isaac. Isaac liked to eat. I like to eat. I think Isaac was a little portly, kind of like me. Little portly. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, ain't it? <laughs> you notice how when we describe ourselves, we use small adjectives. <laughs> There's not many mirrors in my house <laughs> that go below the face. <laughs> but I like Isaac. And, and, and yes, Isaac's going to be in heaven. And remember this about Isaac, that when God tells others or introduces himself to others, he says, you remember I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, God liked Isaac too. What I'm saying is, everybody has flaws and has things and, uh, and little idiosyncrasies. But let me tell you something, as I told the teens, don't ever become profane. 
Don't ever become disrespectful of the house of God and the man of God and the word of God. You love God and you worship God and you honor God so that God can say that he loves you. Let's get into this. This was a couple who had the makings of a strong, godly home. What happened? Let me say it like this, and you need to tuck this down. For a home to be right, everyone in it has to do right. Daddy has to do right. Mommy has to do right. And the kids have to do right. If you want your home right, everybody that's in there has to work like a team. Daddy is the head coach. And each person has a role to play. And then you got mom, and then you got the children. And you can't have kids acting like they're the head coach. I mean, if that makes sense to everybody. Even in a church, a church should work and act like a team with the pastor, head coach. God's the owner of the team. The Holy Spirit gives me what I need. And the Word of God guides us. We got the, the rule book. But then we take people in and put them in and take them out and move them and work with them. The team, working together as a team. And if somebody in that team is not going to fulfill their role in work rights, you begin to develop fragmentation, division, confusion. And so homes are going to have to, or if they're going to work right, everybody in them has to do right. Everyone needs to know their role. Children need to know that they are children. That they don't run the show. Children need to know that someone else owns the house. Someone else is in charge. And if they don't know that, that's your fault. Because you've not introduced that to them. Because you've not been fulfilling your role. But this family had all that going for them. But somewhere, it started fragmenting. started fragmenting about the time of the birth of these two boys. And the Lord told Rebecca and says that there's two nations inside of you. And so he wasn't referring to the individual, but he said there's two nations inside of you. And that's why they're fighting with one another. They're, they're at odds with each other in the womb. And after they're born, they're going to be in competition with each other, but the elder will serve the younger. Now, I looked, and I searched, and I searched, and I looked, and God didn't tell her that Jacob was to get the birthright. It's not what he said. He said that somewhere down the road... That the elder would serve the younger. But Rebekah took that message as to saying that Jacob should get the honor of the birthright which was reserved for the firstborn. So she shared that with Isaac. No doubt she shared that. And Isaac's sitting there looking at it, but it has to go to the firstborn, whoever comes out first. And so this began to fragment that family because mommy picks Jacob. He was the man of the tent. 
man of the house. He liked to cook. He was a chef. He was a soft man when you compared him to Esau. Esau was an outdoors man. He had a beard. He was red-headed. He was hairy. He was a man's man. Kind of picture in your mind Gaston on Beauty and the Beast. Eat two dozen eggs every day, you know. And he was big as a barge, you know. That's how my mind works. It's animated. It goes cartoony. <clears throat> and so Isaac, he liked Esau because he loved venison when you smoked it and barbecued it and put some spice on there. My mom can cook deer meat like nobody's business. And she can season that. And I kid you not, you can't tell the difference between that. Maybe because she mixed it with pork. I don't know, but telling you it's good you can't tell you ever eat deer meat and it tastes gamey <laughs> you can taste last year's acorns <laughs> you're like oh. well when Esau made it, it didn't taste that way and Isaac liked it the way that Esau uh, made it and he Isaac liked to hunt and remember he liked to meditate out in the field and walk and talk to the Lord out in the field he was an outdoors person and so he chose Esau that was his favorite and I'm sure that mommy and daddy Isaac and Rebecca had that conversation with Esau and Jacob and I believe that's why Esau despised his birthright. He had been told from his birth until as long as he could, he, could, he could talk and he could walk that he was not going to get that birthright. That's not what God said. And that he would ultimately serve his younger brother. He would be in charge. And that led to resentment and bitterness because Hebrews chapter 12 said that he had a root of bitterness and he was constantly told that that's why he sold the birthright to Jacob. It's not going to do him any good anyway. He's been told from day one that his goose is cooked. And so he was hungry and he come in and Jacob being the supplanter, the deceiver that he was, he was a cooking. And I could see myself, I identify with Esau. I hate to say that. Hungry as a bear. And Jacob was gifted. He could cook, and he had him a big pot of lentils. That's probably northern for southern beans, you know, white beans, cornbread, ham in there. And Esau said, if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. I've come in from hunting like that. Until I wised up, started carrying a little to-go bag, and I put snacks in there, beef jerky, water, and and, 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 and freeze-dried food, you know, MREs, whatever I get my hands on, just in case. Because I, I don't want to get stranded out in the woods and think that I couldn't whip me up a meal. So I wised up. But Esau, he didn't have one of those backpacks. <laughs> and he didn't have freeze-dried food. And hunting wasn't so good that day. And a lot of times that's what happens. <laughs> And he come in and he says, Ben, I need a bowl of soup. And Jacob said, are you desperate? Oh, boy. And Esau, if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. Been there. Can't you tell it? I couldn't go long without food. I got a fast metabolism. 
And so I got I to gotta eat a lot to keep up with that thing. If I, if I miss my 12 o'clock feeding, man, I'll, I'll lose 10 pounds. You know that ain't true. <laughs> and so he sold. He traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. Because he despised it. He says, it's not worth anything to me. I'm not ever going to get to enjoy it. And Jacob said, I'll take that too. So now let's look at this family now that you're kind of in context with what's going on. And it begin to get fragmented. There's three things going on in this family that you need to be on guard against. So you can be on guard against family fragmentation. Number one. You had a carnal husband. Isaac was carnal. Isaac was carnal. Now, you don't have to be the husband in your house that's carnal. Any one of the two spouses that is carnal is going to lead to family fragmentation. Isaac loved Esau, an outdoorsman. He was tough. And God said Esau was profane, godless, disrespectful, earthly, worldly, and non-religious. Esau loved savory meats. But he was a man who worked off of his feelings. That was Isaac. That's why he wanted to eat first. I'm in a lot better mood if I can eat first. Of course, when I work, you can't feed me much or I can't work afterwards. So, two-edged sword there. Better make sure you get the work out of me first and then you can feed me. And in that regard, I'm like a camel. I can, I can do that. I can do that. I got reserves I can run on until the work's done within reason because I'm also like a camel I get a little mean if I get too hangry but Isaac had trouble uh, discerning look with me in verse 21 he says that he says I I want to feel thee my son he's working off of feelings he he lacked sight biblical sight now here was physical sight he was going blind but we can preach this and make application he was kind of had a problem discerning between good and evil right and wrong right and almost right and so he was relying on his feelings because he was carnal and he didn't discern that jacob verse 23 discerned him not was Jacob. He thought he was Esau. He convinced him, even though his voice was the voice of Jacob. But Isaac was a man who had unresolved conflict with his wife. That's right. They were divided in that home. He had a favorite and she had a favorite. And parents, let me say this to you. You don't want to do that. You don't want to have favorites. You get into a larger family. You don't want to pick favorites. Because what happens is the ones that are not your favorite can come to despise that. And it hurts them in their future development. A lot of times this goes on in folks that have been married and divorced. And so uh, you've got a new father in the picture. Maybe the new father doesn't care for the other children or the wife because she has children by an ex-husband and she despises the ex-husband. And every time she sees this child, she's reminded of somebody she doesn't like. And then she takes it out on that child and she picks a favorite. It had happened here. 
and it can create a big problem and it leads to family resentment and family fragmentation. They left this unresolved. They agreed to disagree. They should have had some more conversation about that. She told him what God had told her the elder would serve the younger. And so Rebekah chooses Jacob as her favorite. And Isaac chose Esau, leaving the issue unresolved. And it led to friction. If you was to look with me in chapter 26, in verse 35 and 34, it says, And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Bashemoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Isaac or Esau began to make decisions that he knew hurt his mama and his daddy because of fragmentation, resentment, bitterness. So this thing never ends well. If you have one of the two parents that are carnal, that run things off their feelings, and then they pick favorites, this is going to cause you some trouble and fragmentation. But the second thing I see is you have a conspiring mother here in the text. She's sneaking around. A husband and a wife, there should be no cause for that. Sneaking around, sneaking in on conversation. It don't work that way in my home. I don't know about your home. If I know it, Jen knows it. Jen knows it pretty much. I know it. It's always been that way. I'm not a person. I don't like secrets. I'm not into secret parties. I'm not into surprise stuff unless they're savory meat and cake. But <laughs> as a whole, I don't. I like things out in the open. Been accused of TMI. I share too much information. I like it like that. It's out in the open. This family had secrets. And so this had come to the point where mama began to conspire against her husband Isaac. And she was sneaking around listening to conversations that she should have been present for. But because there was unresolved conflicts, you know, she had her part of the house. And it said they was in the house. She had her part of the house and he had his part of the house that they lived on, you know. And they come together somewhere between the kitchen and the bathroom. You know, those are those junctions, those choke points. Somewhere, somehow, you're going to have to find your way to her fridge or the food cap pantry. And you're going to meet up with other people that have the same ideal. And that's when they come together. And so you see this mother, this conspiring mother, sneaking around. And she sees Esau leave to go out on this hunt and she begins to scheme a plan you see this is a mama that was going to have it her way no matter what isaac said and i think and somebody could correct me i think she mistook what god told her about the elder serving the younger as that he, Jacob was going to be promised that birthright. And it led to that conflict. And it led to that separation. It led to that fragmentation. She began to scheme. And she says, I don't care what Isaac says. 
He might be the head of the household, but he ain't the head of me. And so she went in there and told Jacob and said, hey, your brother just left to go out on a hunt. And you know how he is. He thinks he's good, but really ain't that good. And you need to go out there and get me a couple of goats. Your daddy can't tell the difference between goat meat and deer meat anyway when I cook it. Because I wrap it in bacon. We'll put it in the smokehouse. We'll get it. We'll get him. I know what daddy likes. Sometimes I wonder if Jen ain't Rebecca here. <laughs> she, knows how, she knows what I like. She knows just how to cook things the way I like it. And so I think we got a cook-off going on today, don't we? Who's got the best taco bake? Now, I've already been threatened, Sash. She told me she'd beat me and, and kick me out of the house and everything if I didn't pick hers. Yeah, see? Scheming. I lied. She didn't say that. But she was thinking it. So they'll have to blindfold me. <laughs> oh, my soul. I think you all get in the picture. Mama was going to get her way. She didn't care what daddy said. They, they had unresolved conflict here. And she was willing to scheme. She was willing to lie. She was willing to steal because she stole Esau's clothes that she found laying around in the house. She rolled them around on the ground, put a little of the field on there, rubbed that goat hair on them because they smell like a goat, you know. There, daddy, your daddy, he like that. <laughs> old goat, blind old goat. I'm reading in between lines. You got to learn to read in between the lines here a little bit. Have fun with this. Bring this thing to life. And she stole the blessing of the firstborn. Mamas, God doesn't need you scheming, lying, and stealing to get his will done. If God said it, he'll do it without your help. Daddy's the same. Goes for you. God don't need your lying, scheming, stealing to get his will done. God's promised you something from the Word of God, it'll happen. He don't need you lying, scheming, and stealing. Let me say it like this, and this is a nugget. God will not step over your sins to bless you. God will not step over your sin to bless you. People want to think they can start it wrong and end it right. You can't go right and end right if you start it wrong. And then people, oh, God's blessing me so much. You're not getting the blessings. And if you're convinced you're getting blessed, it's not from God. Because God doesn't counterdict this book. You're getting blessed by the devil. You're probably living on the mercies of God. That's what you're living on. I think if we ever experience the blessings of God, it'd blow our minds for the full blessing. A lot of times we only end up with 50% of what God wanted to bless us with because of the amount of sin and nonsense in our lives and our scheming and our lying and our cheating to get God's will done. God does not need that kind of help. As soon as it goes into the realm of lying, that's the devil's realm. The devil, the Bible says, is the father of lies. God will not use a lie to get his will done. 
God's not going to be part of a scheme or a cheat or deception to get his will done. So if you have a conspiring spouse, a carnal spouse, you for sure got fragmentation. This, the third thing I see here is contentious siblings. Esau, as I said, no doubt had been raised knowing this. He despised his birthright. He sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. And he begins to make decisions that he knows hurts his mama and his papa. He marries somebody that he knows mom and dad don't approve of. And he does it out of spite. Mm. I got news for you. That is a bad person that would willingly make a decision knowing that it hurts someone else. That's, not, that's more of an Esau. That's a profane. It's disrespectful. And what's going to happen is going to come back around and hurt you. Jacob learns how to supplant Esau with his mother's blessing, of course. Where do you think Jacob learned how to be scheming, lying, cheating? Well, he learned it from mama. Where do you think your kids learn the stuff they know and do? Well, I could spend five minutes with your kids. I know all about you. I need to know. Sometimes I do. <laughs> Just because I don't say nothing to you. I need stuff to preach, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what kind of music is this, Pastor? What's well, this church music? Oh. <laughs> Why would you ask, honey? <laughs> oh, they're cute. Where do you think they learn that stuff? You can never go right or do right by teaching your children how to lie, cheat, and steal. I think sometimes we put our children on that path when we lie to them about Santa Claus, Easter Bunny. You know me, it's, a, it's an old hobby horse of mine. I'm not trying to ride that. We'll, we'll smack it around a little bit. And you teach them how to lie because you convince them that they're real. Then all of a sudden one day they realize it's, it was all a lie. And you've taken part in destroying their faith, their childlike faith, because now they're not going to believe you about Jesus because they've never seen him either. Now you never do right by lying and cheating and scheming. It's best just to go ahead and be honest with them. I love Christmas just as much as the next person. I don't mind seeing Santa Clauses. But I ain't going to lie to my kids and try to say that he's actually bringing the presents when I've worked and I've scrimped and I've saved and I've worked overtime and done without to provide them for them. Why would you do that? Well, that's a fragmented family. Because you're more interested in lying, cheating, scheming than you are just being honest. And it leads to contentious siblings. And now we have Esau, if we had read the whole chapter, comforting himself with the ideal and the promise that I'll kill my brother as soon as dad's gone. 
uh, that's not a good place to be mentally. As soon as I can catch him with his back turned and dad dies after the funeral, I'm taking his life. That's not good. But that's here. That's a murderous sibling. He's going to murder another sibling. And it was so severe that mama said, Jacob, you got to go. Now, I hope none of our homes are like that at that level. But what I want to bring home this morning. This wasn't a family that his, had his, hers, ours, and their kids all together. It didn't start out fragmenting. And, I, and I'm not saying anything about that. This was a family who had started it right and loved God. But because of unresolved conflicts about something that God had said, it led to fragmentation. And it led to scheming and sneaking and lying and stealing. And then it led to contention in the home and contentious siblings to the point where one was promising to murder the other. So I ask you this morning, is my family fragmented? I say, well, me and my my spouse were kind of at odds. What are you at odds about? You need to have some conversation. Rebecca should have been part of the conversation when Isaac was talking with Esau there. Or part of the conversation as soon as Esau left. That thing had been left unresolved and it didn't go away, folks, is what I'm saying unresolved conflict always leads to more fragmentation learn how to resolve those conflicts as I said a couple weeks ago they're like straws but better yet I said they're like a crack in a piece of metal and if you don't begin to weld that, mend that, that crack, when the rains come and the winds blow, I'm talking about the problems that come in life, that crack is going to begin to separate and it's going to get farther and farther and farther and farther to the point where you can't fill it with a weld. It's broke. Learn to resolve those conflicts sooner rather than later. And I'm already working with the teen boys to teach them how to prevent that. We're marrying people that we're not compatible with. We're marrying people that we have nothing in common with. And then when we bring children into the mix, how are you going to teach them if both of you are on separate pages? We've had two classes on that. Your teens are pretty sharp in the preteens. Because I asked them what kind of game system they'd buy if they didn't have one. And every one of them was very specific in a particular game system. 
And I said, but would you consider another game system if you could buy it really, really cheap? Now, this week I got one taker on that. The entrepreneur in the bunch, it was Christopher. He said, sure. So I could resell it to somebody that wants PlayStation for full price. Amen. That's good. That's good. Oh, their minds are sharp. But they were very specific. And I said, that's how specific you need to be when it comes to finding a future mate for life. If you're a Windows-based program, you have no business looking at Apple. It's not compatible. If you're an Xbox player, you have no business looking at PlayStation. But I love it. <laughs> yeah. Until after the new wears off, and then all of a sudden you're frustrated and you're upset with it, and now you're stuck with it. So I'm trying to help the teens and the preteens out now. You should be having those conversations in the home around Bible and answer night to help them. What is their compatibility? Who are they? And what does God want from them? And that'll help them make better decisions in life. So is your family fragmented? You can fix that. <clears throat> it's not at the end of the world. Because now we're going to get into how do I begin to put a fragmented family back together? We'll start that next week, Lord willing. Let's all stand this morning.